from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Martin Newman on May 15, 2017. Martin is a singer, songwriter, acoustic, an electric guitarist, a bassist, and a percussionist. He's also a graphic artist who likes to write. He has a modest history of performing and recording lyrical rock, acoustic, and swing styles alone and with others from a variety of cultures. In the interview, Martin refers to a tour he made throughout the UK. In the interview, we feature selections from an album called Days of Certainty that represents the music he created for that tour. He's offering these seven tracks to listeners to download. I'll post that link on my website, abahaiperspective.com. I started the interview by asking Martin where he grew up. And what was it like growing up there? I uh, grew up in London, in northwest London, uh, Wilsdon, Hampstead, that sort of area. It was like then, you know. It was... <laughs> what was family life like? Well, my father had been a band leader, and he wasn't a band leader anymore. And he'd been a band leader before I could remember at the time. But I think where I am now is probably the fruit of those days. My father was a refugee from uh, Nazi Germany, and he arrived here at 15. The rest of his family died. So that was given to me when I was 11. So there's Jewish and there was not Jewish. On my other side, they were from Newcastle. You know, they were very different. And they were my family. My father left. But he was very musical, you know, and he knew everything about show business. You know, I, from when I was nine, uh, I had all his showbiz stories. Recently, I've been remastering his tracks that he recorded, 1954 and 1974. I remembered him from as a baby from uh, a pram, and I had been in their rehearsals. And when I remastered the earlier ones, they were familiar to me. And the reason was because I'd heard them as a baby. They gave me a drum kit when I was four, a little one. You know. I remembered appearing on stage when I was 18 months on the drummer's knee in the band. There's a whole musical background, but it's kind of subliminal. You're not connected to it, but it's there and it's influencing you all the time. You know. What was religious life like growing up? You did touch on the fact that one side of your family was Jewish. Well, one side of the family ate kofilter fish and the other side ate bacon and eggs. <laughs> kind of thing and um that's true but uh, it was pretty much a cultural thing versus uh, yeah i think so yeah the spiritual thing for me well it came through music really when i heard the title track of Jimi hendrix experience album axis boulders love i started drawing and writing poetry from that alone and woke me up when i was a boy and also a line in a song by robin williamson where uh, he said I used to search for happiness and I used to follow pleasure, but I found a door behind my mind and that's the greatest treasure. 
I suppose that opened up three dimensions inside my own inner space, really, from where I would create, you know, write. So music was a portal for which you experienced spirituality, you would say? I would say, yeah, but it was all kinds. You know, I discovered Dvořák and I was listening to that as well. And had an Indian raga thing I used to listen but also poetry. I was write and read a lot of poetry, European poets at that age. And also I had a teacher at school who was good and stimulated you to go that direction. And also art, Dali and all these people. And I was drawing a lot. So I had developed these three things. One was mixed up with my dad and that's all complicated. They have a will of their own. And sometimes I want to do this and sometimes I want to do that. But I've got to be doing something. I've got to be doing one of them or else I'm not alive, dead, you know, I'm fruitless. But it's not an intellectual thing. It's just a thing. You just do it. You know, you have to, you know, any any artist just has to do it. They they haven't got a choice, have they? It's got a will of its own. Tell me about how that spiritual path led you to the Baha'i faith. It had begun with what we were talking about, but it went on. I don't know, just that there was a oneness somehow, and I didn't know. I just felt a connectedness, that everything was in some way connected. And I was walking along the street one day, and there were these people, and they had placards, and every statement began with one. And they were lovely people. It was a community thing. I joined a community. I thought it was a commune. I'm not that I've ever lived in a commune. And so I was going along for that, but it turned out to be the Baha'i community. So what attracted you to it was the, the concept of the, the three onenesses? Yeah, and, uh, and then his name, which was perfect symmetry. Baha'u'llah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the, the wings of a bird. It was one thing after another. It was watching a friend of mine have a conversation, of a high friend of mine have a conversation with another friend of mine. And the way he had an answer for everything my other friend had to say. So I learned that way, really. I learned by their example. There was Brian Parsons, who's not alive anymore. He is, actually, because I was sitting on the bus and suddenly Brian Parsons was there. I suddenly remembered him in absolute detail. It was very odd. And he was a dear friend. You make a heart connection with people and it, it lasts forever. So you started composing music and writing poetry when you were a youth? Yeah. I started writing songs on a bass at 11. And I had a little band at 13, three of us. I met some older lads and I joined them and played in places, clubs. But then I split up with them and went on my own. Then I went to college and did graphic design. Baha'i encouraged me a lot and then she passed away. And I started writing again after that. And then I did a tour of the United Kingdom Baha'i community in 91. It's a long time ago. It's the end of the last century. The spirit with which... We did that tour. It was another friend, a friend called Jerry Smith, who drove me 5,000 miles all around the United Kingdom. And we gave concerts to the Baha'i communities. It was before the internet, so no one knew who I was. 
whether I was any good or not, should we say. I think a lot assumed that I wasn't. So I had asked you to pick seven songs to showcase in the interview, and I'm wondering what time range do these pieces represent? I centered everything around an album I made for the Baha'i Publishing Trust, and that was called Days of Certainty. That's what the tour was called, so I made an album, and I was supported to make that album, and I feel it's special because of that. So I remastered it, and uh, the first track was from that time, but it wasn't actually on it. The producer was prepared to do an extra track, and a friend of mine suggested, because there was a war in the Gulf, they suggested, why don't you do a write a song called Peace on Earth? So I tried to write a song called Peace on Earth, and that's how it came out. And he produced it. That's Robert Graham in uh, North Wales. The lift at the end, when it goes up a, up a key and then it goes up another key, was, was uh, Robert Graham's idea. It's great. He's a great man. He used to work for the BBC and he produced it, i.e. he told me, do this, do that. I loved it. That's the first track on it anyway. Really, it's a song to people of different religions. I've done a lot of work trying to bring religions together. So I kind of wrote a song in that mode. Oh, and it was played on, on uh, talk radio one of those shock jock things and he had all leaders of religions on on one program and they played it the clergyman brought up the baha'i faith he said that yeah they've got they've got good ideas <laughs> uh, he, he must have heard because baha'i is mentioned in the song and uh, equally that's the thing that we have to see them as being equal
it was the time of the promise of world peace that had just come out from the Universal House of Justice. It was a document that they wrote to the peoples of the world, the Baha'i world governing body, and it was called the promise of world peace. You know, I had mentioned earlier the three onenesses, and I should have elaborated. So the three onenesses I was referring to was the oneness of God, that all religions are worshipping the same God, the oneness of religion, in which all the religions of the world are all connected in that they came from age to age to reveal God's purpose for that time and place in history. So they're basically one story of the revelation of God. And then the oneness of humanity, that this is the age in which the world has, through communications and other technology, really can be thought of as one country rather than a set of disparate nations. And that those are the three principal onenesses within the Baha'i teachings. The harmony of religion and science is a oneness. The harmony of men and women is a oneness. This oneness goes through all. That's the profound nature of it, is that he's harmonized into a profound universality that, that embraces everything. And that was one thing about coming on this program, a Baha'i perspective. I can't say that I have a Baha'i perspective. A Baha'i perspective is an aspiration. I have a glimpse. The exemplar of the Baha'i faith is the only one who will ever have a Baha'i perspective. Baha'u'llah pointed out the Baha'i to be the exemplar, the example of what it is to be a Baha'i. And therefore, he is the only one who has a Baha'i perspective. And we have an aspiration to have a Baha'i perspective. We can never say that we have one. We can only say that we have an aspiration towards one. It's interesting you bring that up. I have an interesting story about why the program's called A Baha'i Perspective. I originally was going to call the program The Baha'i Perspective, and my wife made it clear to me, you know, Warren, there really isn't The Baha'i Perspective. Everybody has a perspective, and if they're a Baha'i, they have a Baha'i Perspective based on their experience as being a Baha'i. So as you, Martin are a Baha'i and you've experienced the Baha'i faith, I imagine in some way that experience has informed your perspective. Yes. The next song is White Bird. So tell me about that one. Well, I co-wrote that with a friend who I co-formed a band called The Pearl Divers. And we made an album for Seventh Valley Records, which was a subsidiary of the UK Baha'i Publishing Trust at one time. Uh, And I've remade it. Uh, I wrote the riff. There's a riff in there. And then she put the lyrics, threaded them in between my riff. It's really clever. It's about freedom, really, I suppose.
Let's go to the next one then, and that one is Mr. Dream. Well, this was uh, originally on the Days of Certainty album, and I remade this one as well. It was I originally did it all bounty like Penny Lane sort of rhythm because uh, it was about Mr. Dream and old hippies at the time, you know. The drummer on it is, is a drum and bass drummer, and uh, so he's given it a bit of swing, but it's it's rock on the beat, but he's given it a little bit of swing, and it's good. And I put that up during the elections and the Brexit and all that. Mr. Dream, how do you know what is true and all that? It got a lot of plays. Uh, it was a popular song, Mr. Dream. When an artist releases a work, the work is finished for them. But it's not. It's the beginning for everyone else. So for me, all these things are finished. I'm working on other things. <laughs> Now there's a wind that can blow 
All right. So the next one is Love is the Light. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a recent song. I think there's a thing in there about something about the things don't turn to stone. You know, they carry on living, you know, memories or the heart connections we have with people, you know. And actually, there's a line in Mr. Dream, sorry, just to briefly, about waking up the dead. And but it's just I felt it's defined by whether you've got love in your heart, really. You know, people haven't got any love in their hearts. So they're just in their heads. You know, they're pretty dead, really. So that's the definition of life, I think. It's whether you've got love in your heart, isn't it? Love is like a light in the dark, healing almost everything. So don't put up a fight, let the spark light the heart and make it sing. Don't forget it, love is the So the next song is This Old World. That was written just after Days of Certainty. That a friend of mine did a video uh, where he filmed himself walking on the street carrying a guitar. And I used that film for the song. And it's about not giving in, you know. 
So mm-hmm. does it have something to do with the concept of this dichotomy of movement that the Baha'i faith talks about, where you have this force of disintegration and this force of integration working concurrently as the old world crumbles because it's not addressing the needs of mankind. There is an integrative force that's working in order to build institutions that will meet the needs of mankind. Does this song have anything to do with that concept? No, not really. No, I, 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 I would have other things that would express that. So I think this old world is a bit more on a personal level of someone surviving to do their work, to do their creativity. I mean, part of their creativity would be to express the integration, disintegration. But what the song is about is to carry on doing it, even in spite of the world wanting to turn you into, you know, a, a machine. A computer wants you to go and get a job doing this, that, and the other. It's to survive as an artist. It's hard. You've got to keep going. If you are in love with the way it could be, what is the point in just dreaming about it? Money and time. song is Touchstone of Truth. So tell us about that one. Actually, this song really is talking about the integration, disintegration, because it's saying on one hand, 
the problem and on the other hand the answer and so in the middle which goes back to this symmetry in the middle is uh, the touchstone of truth your own heart being touched by something that's beautiful something that's inspiration inspires you And then the last one is the level. Yeah. I've never picked up an instrument to play anything. I've always just instinctively picked up an instrument to write something. And the level is quite recent, really. It came out of a lot of live gigs that we were doing. Each rehearsal, we'd do it a bit more. Andy Headley is a local sound engineer. He has his own studio, and I met him when I was out gigging. We got talking and he we started working together. He was building up a studio and I was doing demos. It's his lead guitar, it's his harmonica, it's his, not production, but his engineering and his sound. It's very clean. It's about equality, like we're doing. We're talking on a level here. I don't have any status, any sense of status. You don't. We're equal. You know. Here we are. So we're talking on a level. That's what it's about.
talk on the level if you nothing to hide. Say what you're feeling inside. Out in the open is a better way. Talk on the level if you've something to say. Oh my, how can we be locked out, strangers? Talk on the level to
Now, I had interviewed Martin Kerr. Oh, yeah, yeah. He said you had come uh-huh. to his home, we, I guess, early on in his musical career. He said that you were very helpful in yeah. in helping him craft his work. Oh, yeah. that's nice. It's funny because that time is fresh for me. I knew his parents first. In fact, when I first met his parents, he hadn't been born yet. He had entered a competition for um, the BBC World Service. They asked me to play guitar for him. And that's how we started working together. And we rehearsed for the BBC and we won the competition. And then we carried on working together and uh, we had bands and recorded loads of stuff. There's loads of uh, recordings that we did. Martin, it sounds like you've produced quite a few albums and you created this Bandcamp link that I will include in the post so that people can listen to your songs for the interview. But how can people get a hold of your albums that you've created over the years? Uh, Well, they're all on that Bandcamp page. I think there's about 10 or 11. There's enough there to get sick of me, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I suppose the ones I post on Facebook are the ones I want to share of all, but they're all on Bandcamp. I've also done um, an A to Z of of all the songs I've got online. I think there's 60. The most recent thing is I remastered a load of demos called Self Made Man, which is a bit more swingy, a bit more jazzy, some of them. I put them in A to Z and all the A ones are all a bit more swingy, whereas the ones I've given you are all more rocky. Well, Martin, I want to thank you so much for sharing your life and your music with me. Well, it's great. I just wanted to say the tracks that are on the Bandcamp page we played today will be free to, to download everyone. I haven't got any music online for sale at all anymore. I don't really want to do it that way. So these will be free. This, this one album it's called Perspectives. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Martin Newman, singer, songwriter, acoustic and electric guitarist, a bassist, and a percussionist. You can find his creative history on his Facebook page, which I'll post on my website, abahaiperspective.com. It's also there that you can find the archives for all my interviews. I finished the hour by playing more of Martin's songs from his album, Days of Certainty. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
shine a light on me And for as I can see There's not a thing to fear now You are here Never reach the sun I'll barely touch the moon Always on the run And time ran So, so This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.